I'm excited about our new series that we started last week. Yeah, junior and senior high, you can go ahead and slip out right now. Uh, Jeff is leading the way to the fireplace room for your class, and uh, it's going to be a great class, I'm sure. But I, I'm excited about this series because it's through the dynamic and transforming presence, transforming presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives that our lives are changed, and we are empowered to live the kind of lives in victory that's available to us in Christ. I mean, if you want to see real life change, the Holy Spirit is key. Tapping into His power, act, you know, entering into His presence, it's key to seeing real life change. So we're taking these eight weeks and beginning with last week at Easter, going all the way through Pentecost Sunday, to get to know the Holy Spirit. Now, in a previous series we did, we talked to and said that the word spirit is the same word as breath or wind. In the Hebrew and the Greek, it's the same word as the breath or the wind. So you could say that the Holy Spirit is the breath of God, the breath of God breathing on us. Yet, in doing that, we've got to be careful that... Um, not to see that we don't see the Holy Spirit as just this impersonal force, but rather we recognize Him as a personal being. You see, the Holy Spirit is not an it. You know, the force in Star Wars, that's an it. That's not a he, that's an it. The Holy Spirit's different. The Holy Spirit is a personal being. He is a he. You know, He's a spirit like the Father, so He you know, doesn't have a physical body like Jesus does, but, um, you know, so, but, he, but he does have attributes of a person. He, for, for example, he can speak. He speaks all the time, and he can be spoken to. When Ananias and Sapphira in, in Acts chapter 5, remember, they lied, and, and, and Peter says to them, you know, you didn't lie to men, you lied to God. You know, you lied to the Holy Spirit. He is, you know, so he can, he can be lied to. Uh, he, he has the attributes of a person. He's not some impersonal force. And he's always been a part of the Trinity. The Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, but in three persons. Now, we get tripped up on that for a couple of reasons. One is we think of persons and we automatically think of like us with a body, right? Well, Jesus is the only one that has the body. The Father doesn't have a body, He's spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a body, He's spirit. Jesus has a body, okay? And then we start to think, well, but is that then three gods? No, the Bible's very clear that there's only one God. Three persons and one God. Now, if you say, I can't understand that, welcome to the club. Because it's part of the mystery of the Godhead that, that had a truth that's been in the church for centuries, you know, as we've come to understand who God is. It's three persons within the nature of one God, um, so they're, they're, they're the same. At the same time, they're distinct from each other, okay? So that's part of the mystery of the, the Godhead. We're not going to get into all that right now any more than what I've just said, but we see the Holy Spirit you know, he's with the Father, you know, at, the, at the, 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 very, you know, the very beginning. And we see him active at the very beginning of the Bible as God reveals the story of creation and the beginning of mankind. 
Genesis 1-2, and the earth, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God, or the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Holy Spirit was present at the very beginning of creation, hovering over the, spirit, uh, over the surface of the waters. <clears throat> then as you turn to the New Testament, you see the Holy Spirit present at the start of Jesus' public ministry. In Acts 3.16, when Jesus was baptized, it says, After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him, like a dove, descending and settling on him like a dove, and in, or in, in the form of a dove. You know, this is important because it's at this time we see the Holy Spirit coming to Jesus and descending on him. And this was before any, Jesus did any of his works, before he did, started his public ministry, before he healed anybody or anything else. This is at the beginning of it. It's important because Jesus, everything he did, all his miracles, all his signs and wonders, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit, not his own power as the Son of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus, you know, laid aside the right to operate in his own power. Okay, Jesus was God. He's God, okay? But yet he didn't come and do the works he did through his own power as God, he laid aside, uh, laid aside the right to independently use his, his authority, it's in Philippians, uh, and, and he operated solely in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason that's important is because if Jesus came and did the works that he did, simply by the uh, uh, the nature of the fact that he's, he's the son of God and, you know, he has his own divine power and, and he does all those things by his own power, then there's no way that we could do the same things that Jesus did. But the fact is, Jesus used the same power. He, he, he operated in the power of the Holy Spirit so when he tells us to go out and do the works that he did and says we're going to do even greater works, according to John's gospel, we're going to do even greater works than Jesus did, how does he expect us to do it? Through the power of the same Holy Spirit that's available to all of us. See, it was, it was the same Holy Spirit through, you know, that it was available to him, and it's the same Holy Spirit that's available to us. So... Um, it's the same power of the same Holy Spirit that we're able to live above the circumstances of our lives and also do the things that God has called us to do. So let's look at the Holy Spirit. There's three aspects of his mission. He came on a mission. There's three aspects I, wanna, I want us to notice today. And the first thing I want us to notice is the Holy Spirit's on a mission to communicate God's love to us, to communicate God's love. And this is huge. One of the first things you and I need to know is that God loves us. And we can never say that enough. We can never overstate that enough. That's why I, 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 I love the, the, you know, the, 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 the little kid's Bible song or, or, or you know, song, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. I mean, 
because from the earliest age, we need to know God's love for us. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we know that. Romans 5, 5 says, for we, we know how dearly God loves us. How? Because the Holy Spirit, He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. The Holy Spirit fills our hearts with God's love. Some translations say that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. His mission is to communicate God's amazing and incredible and awesome and incomparable love to you and to me. And this is crucial because, reason it's so important is because God's love is the filter through which we are to see all of his actions toward us. All of his actions toward us, everything he says, every, all his motivations, the things he does, everything, are to be seen through the filter of his love for us. Everything God does for us, without exception, everything he does for us is motivated by his love for us, even if it doesn't feel like it at the moment. Okay? even if it doesn't feel like it at the moment. And when we realize that, it makes a difference in how we see and interpret God's work. All of a sudden, you know, things happen we don't understand. We no longer see God as, as just getting back at us for something or being angry at us for something. We say, okay, I may not understand it, but I know that this is here now because of God's love for me. He loves me. And that's how we interpret the things that he does in our lives. Second part of his mission is to initiate God's purpose for us. In 1 Chronicles 28, King David gives to Solomon the plans that the Spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the temple of the Lord and all the surrounding rooms, for the treasuries of the temple of God and for the treasuries for dedicated things. Now, the Holy Spirit... What's going on here is the Holy Spirit, you know, gave plans for the building of the temple to David, and then David then passed them on to Solomon, who would be responsible for building the temple. You see, David wanted to build God a temple. Say, hey, you know, we, I live in this fine palace, and, you know, we have our houses and all that, but you're still living in the tabernacle, which is a tent. And he said, I want to build you a house, Lord. I want to build you. And, and you know, Nathan the prophet said, you know, when he found it, he said, yeah, do what's in your heart. It's a good thing. Next day, Nathan comes back to David because the Lord had spoken to him that night. And he said, no, the Lord says, no, you're not to build the temple. So it's a good thing that you want to do that. But, you know, first off, I don't need a house. But, you know, when you want to do this, that's a good that you want to do that for me. But, you know, the attention, but you've shed too much blood, so you're not the one to build it. And, and he said, your son Solomon is going to build it. So, and then God gave David the plans for the temple, and David started gathering uh, all the materials. And when his son Solomon became king, Solomon is the one that, uh, that actually built the temple. So the, the purposes and the plans you know, were initiated by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit initiates God's purposes and plans in our lives in so many different ways. So many different uh, uh, areas. He leads us into God's, into the direction God wants us to go, and He guides us in it. Holy Spirit's mission also is to manifest God's presence among us. To manifest His presence among us. The prophet Isaiah 
prophesied about the coming of the Messiah. I, I love the Old Testament book of Isaiah because there's so much in there about the coming of the Messiah. Isaiah, I, I, Isaiah. Um, <laughs> Isaiah, um, that's one way to pronounce it. Um, thank you, Derek Morphew. <laughs> and <laughs> Isaiah 11.2 <laughs> says, and, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And some refer to that as the sevenfold spirit of God. Okay? Um, the Holy Spirit manifest God's presence in different ways. You know, sometimes it's through wisdom, other times it's through a spirit of counsel, other times through might. Through many different ways the Holy Spirit works. He lets us know something. He lets us know that God is present among us. That God is here. And, and that's a big deal. See, when I know that God is with me, what happens? My fear goes. Faith and confidence comes in. An awareness of God's presence makes all the difference. If I'm facing something tough and I'm wondering, God, are you with me or am I on my own in this? That's when fear comes in. That's when apprehension and worry comes in. But if I, can, you know, if I go into even the toughest situation and say, God, you've made it clear that you're with me in this. So I have nothing to fear. And it, gives, it builds confidence in us. You know, that, that, that awareness of God's presence makes all the difference. Sometimes the Holy Spirit manifests himself in tangible ways. When you can just sense his presence. You know, a moment ago when we finished worshiping, you know, there was just this quietness that settled over the room. It was a manifestation of God's presence, the peace. You could sense it. You could feel his, you could feel his presence. Or other times, maybe, maybe you're stressed out about something, and, and fear begins to come in, and fear begins to, to grip you. So you, maybe you, you go to God's Word, and you begin to just spend some time in it, begin to read, begin to meditate, and think about what it is you're reading, maybe on the attributes of God or the character and nature of God, or, you know, begin to, and, and, and maybe then begin to worship. Or, you know, and then suddenly, you know, something happens, and seemingly out of nowhere, this unexplainable peace just settles over you. And you're not afraid like you were before. You're not worried like you were before. And when you think about it, nothing has changed other than that through the Holy Spirit, God stepped in and let you know, don't worry, I'm here, I've got this, right? You ever had that experience where you're fearful and you, you spend some time with God and, and all of a sudden the fear goes away, it settles and, and you just have this, this peace settle over you and it's like God's saying, I've got this, you don't have to be afraid, I'm here with you. Other times he manifests his presence through gifts of healing, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Things that, you know, we, we call the gifts of the Spirit. 
Some people call them gracelets. Others call them manifestations of the Spirit because through them the Holy Spirit manifests His presence. All throughout the Scriptures, we see the Holy Spirit communicating God's love to us, initiating His purposes, and manifesting His presence. Now, let's look at the Gospels. Spend some time in the Old Testament. Let's look at the Gospels. When you read the Gospels, it becomes evident who the Holy Spirit is. And that is that He is an empowering presence in Jesus' ministry in the Gospels. He was there from beginning to end in Jesus' life. It was through the Holy Spirit that the Virgin Mary miraculously conceived and gave birth to Jesus. We saw the Holy Spirit descend on him in his baptism. The Holy Spirit was with him while he did all of the works. And it was through the Holy Spirit that God raised Jesus from the dead, from beginning to end. From in be- in, and, and in between the, Jesus' conception and resurrection, the Holy Spirit was present the whole time, empowering Jesus to do what the Father sent him to do. See, here's the thing about Jesus' ministry. He only did. He didn't just come and say, okay, what, what all can I do? He only did what the Father sent him to do, what he saw the Father doing. He never acted on his own authority, only in only the Father's authority. And he only did what he did by the power of the Holy Spirit resting on him and working through him. And we see the Holy Spirit. He's present in every major event in Jesus' life. The Holy Spirit is present. In the four Gospels, just the four Gospels alone, the Holy Spirit is mentioned or referred to at least 60 times. So you can see how present and what a prominent role the Holy Spirit played in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Now I want to look at Luke 4. This is at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. I love this. one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. See, Jesus, or, or excuse me, the Holy Spirit had descended on Jesus at his baptism, then directly led him out into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days, and then Jesus comes back from the wilderness empowered by the Holy Spirit, or some translations just say, you know, in the power of the Spirit. So he's empowered by the Holy Spirit, walks into the synagogue in Nazareth, because that was his, his custom on the, the, the Sabbath day, and we pick up in verse 16 of Luke 4. When he came into the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. Now, before we read where he read, I want to mention something. On the Sabbath day, all the Jews, wherever they were in the synagogue, would read from the same passage of Scripture every Sabbath. So you could be in this synagogue and reading this passage of Scripture and 200 miles away or 500 miles away or down the block, whatever, they'd be reading the same passage of Scripture. They would read through the Old Testament. They would read through the Scriptures. And so when Jesus walked into the synagogue on the Sabbath, 
they gave him the scroll and he went to the passage that was that that was meant for that day to be read okay in the prophet Isaiah he went to the path through the daily reading in Isaiah and then this is what he read the spirit of the lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently, and then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. See, God's into detail. He's into detail. That's the day when that scripture was being read that Jesus came back from the wilderness, went into the synagogue and read that. And that scripture um, summarizes Jesus, all of his ministry right there. The things that he did, it's all right there. And what we need to see in this is that it was the Holy Spirit who empowered and who anointed or empowered Jesus to do his ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to do these things. Now, the word anointing, what do we think of when we think of the word anointing? You maybe think of somebody putting oil on somebody's head. Or you think of somebody that's, you know, preaching and they start shouting and sweating and wiping their brow and, you know, getting louder. You've seen that, right? Not here, but you've seen that, you know. Um, uh, you know, or, or maybe, you know, you, you know, worship, you know, it's like, oh, man, you know, that was really anointed and you feel, it's like you felt goosebumps or whatever. That's not what anointing is. Anointing is an empowerment for service. That's what it is. An anointing is an empowerment for service. So the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release of the captives, to make the blind eyes see, to free those who were oppressed, to announce the time of the Lord's favor. Everything Jesus did, he did through the empowerment of the Spirit. We have to see that. We have to understand that. Because that affects us directly. The Holy Spirit is the empowering presence of God behind Jesus' ministry in the Gospels. And after Jesus' resurrection, then a significant event takes place. Jesus appeared to his disciples in John 20. He appears to them and he says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is significant because now Jesus is sending the disciples to do what he had been doing. To carry his message. But not only to carry his message, but to do the works that he'd been doing. And they can't do any of it, and we can't do any of it without the Holy Spirit. They needed the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. So he breathed on them, and he gave them the Holy Spirit. 
So now not only is Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit, now the disciples have the Holy Spirit in them. And as we continue to read throughout the rest of the New Testament, we see that, number three, the Holy Spirit is given to all believers in the New Testament. Every believer. See, 50 days after the resurrection, a group of Jesus' followers were gathered uh, together, and the Holy Spirit came and filled them all. 120 are gathered in this upper room, and, and the Holy Spirit came and filled them all. We read about in Acts chapter 2 at the beginning. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind. Remember that breath of God, the wind, of, uh, okay, is, is, with a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When we read that, we need to understand it's not about an experience. It's about an empowering. Now, there was an experience, but the reason for the experience was for an empowering. See, the Holy Spirit was given to the church to empower believers to do the work of Jesus. So now we live our lives led by and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And as incredible as that may sound, though, yet so many believers fail to walk in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit that's available and instead live defeated and beaten down lives because they're trying to do everything in their own strength. When God intends for us to live our lives empowered by the Holy Spirit, He gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us. And as a down payment or a foretaste of what's to come, in Romans 8, 23, we said, and we believers groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. That's a part of this world, sin and suffering. And every one of us is affected. We, it's something that we live with. You know, and, and it says, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our, our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. <clears throat> and, you know, just a, a side note there, when you go through a season, anybody ever go through a season of groaning? That's all you can do is just groan. When you go through a season of groaning, Focus on your hope rather than the reason for the groaning. You want to get through the season of groaning, you focus, do it by focusing on your hope. Anyway, Holy Spirit isn't just given to some. He's given to all believers in the invitation to enjoy and live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit offers is there for every one of us, every single one of us. Revelation twenty two seventeen. Spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Why does it say the word anyone? 
three times in that verse. Why do you think? Because it's for anyone. It's for you and it's for me. The invitation is not just for a limited few. It's not for a few, you know, super spirituals or, or monks off somewhere. It's, for the, it's not just for those who, you know, have the, no problems seemingly. It's for you and it's for me. Come and drink the water of life. That's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit should not be relegated to some back corner of our lives. We should be looking for his leading. We should be anticipating his empowering. We should be expecting his involvement in every single area of our lives. Living in the Spirit should be the norm for the believer. Living in the Spirit should be the norm for every single believer. Now, as we learn to live in the Spirit, this is what it's going to look like. This life in the Spirit is first off about bearing fruit by the Spirit. Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against there, there, There's no law against these things. See, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, a lot of people focus on the gifts of the Spirit. And we're going to be talking about those later. But really, the best indication that you're living in the Spirit, living in the Spirit of God, it's not moments where you might have a, 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 a miraculous moment where you pray for someone and you see them healed or you see the power of God flow through you. It's bearing the fruit of the Spirit. So it's when you respond to unkind remarks with kindness. Showing patience when someone gets on your nerves. Don't elbow anybody. It's being gentle. Showing self-control. Discipline in your life. If you have discipline in your life, that's a sign uh, that, uh, that the Holy Spirit, that you're living in the Spirit. The, see, the fruit of the Spirit has more to do with character issues demonstrated through behavior then it has to do with giftedness in a certain area. It's character issues demonstrated through behavior. And life in the Spirit is also about walking in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5.25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And then uh, uh, in verses 16-18 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. It's not about this set of rules. It's about following the Spirit's leading in our lives, learning His voice, letting Him guide you. And then lastly, the Spirit, life in the Spirit also involves living in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let me ask you something. 
Would you describe your relationship with the Holy Spirit as a friendship? Do you see him distant and aloof or as someone you want to hang out with? Are you drawn to him? Is he a conscious part of your daily life? He doesn't want to be pushed away in a corner somewhere and just talked about once in a while on Sundays or maybe when you recite the Apostles' Creed, then you mention him. But he wants a real relationship with you. He wants to be your friend. That's who the Holy Spirit is. And he is key to living a life of victory, a life of power. He is key to living our lives where we can live above our circumstances. The Holy Spirit's power. Would the worship team come up? I want us to, or I'm going to pray. I want to pray for everyone right now. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and just to fill us. And I want you to be expecting his filling. It may happen today. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe next week. I don't know. I don't understand how and why and when God operates a lot of the times. Could be that you wake up in the middle of the night with just this, all of a sudden, this sense that his presence is all around you. But I'm going to ask that he would fill us. And then we have a choice. We can drink of his presence and choose to receive everything that he has or we can say no thanks. The choice is ours. Just bow your heads for a moment. If you want to put your hands out in front of you, palms up, just it's, 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 it's a receiving. Nothing super spiritual about it. It's just simply a receiving posture, like someone's giving you a gift, placing something in your hands. And closing your eyes is simply so that you're not distracted by anybody around you or what's going on around you. <clears throat> Jesus, breathe over us right now. Holy Spirit, come. Pour into our hearts the love of the Father. Lord, we're thirsty. We're parched. We want to drink in your spirit. We want to drink in your presence. Quench our thirst for you. Fill us. Lord, we want everything that you have for us. 
because we know that everything you do for us, everything you do in our lives, everything, all your interactions with us are motivated by your love. So come and give us everything that you have for us. Pour out your spirit on us. <clears throat> Lord, we want to be like the church in the book of Acts. We want to be empowered to carry your message. We want to be empowered to do your works. We're not just looking for a, a feeling. We want empowerment to do what you've given us to do. So Holy Spirit, come. Rest on us. Fill us. Draw us close. Lord, let us be able to point back to this day, April 8th, 2018. Let us be able to point back to this day as a defining moment in our lives where we began to experience and expect and anticipate the moving and the working and the empowering of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And Lord, we also, it's not just what we want to do, but we ask for just your presence because we want to have that fellowship with you. We want to know the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We want to know your presence. We want to rest in your presence. So come and do your work. And continue it when we walk out of here today. Continue the work that you've begun in Jesus' name. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Before we dismiss, Bloomington Vineyard is on a mission. And our mission is to love God to serve people and to change lives. And if that resonates with your spirit, if that's something that you want to be a part of, there's several ways to do that. And one of those we're going to do right now. And that's by giving the Lord, Lord our tithe and our offerings. Because that's what enables us to do what God has put us to do. So the ushers are going to come and pass the bags and you have the opportunity to participate. You need to put your tithes and offerings in the bag along with your Connect card. That's what to do with that. Um, or give electronically through your mobile device. The worship team is going to pray. But we're going to worship God by giving and by saying, I want to be a part of what you've given us to do. I want to do my part. I want to participate. And this is one way that we do that. Be sure to put your green cards, your connect cards in the, uh, in the uh, uh, bag as it comes by too. And, and if you're visiting today and it's your first time here or maybe you haven't had a chance to do this here, been here once or twice and you haven't had a chance to visit our uh, 
welcome center out here, then instead of putting your card in the green or a green card in the bag, take it out to the table here and hand it to someone out there. Uh, they love to just welcome you, and we've got a little gift that we'd like to give you. So um, uh, you can do that when we when we dismiss. But uh, we're going to ask the ushers to come forward, and the worship team's going to pray. Are going to going to play, and uh, uh, let's pray, Lord. Use what we give to you now to change lives through the power of your Holy Spirit. We give it because we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.